welcome to the first episode of Air Mic Talks, your new fortnightly podcast brought to you by the UK's Risk and Insurance Management Association. I am Richard Kutcher, Air Mic's content producer. Every two weeks, we will be delving into a different hot topic high on the agenda of our members, as well as the broader risk and insurance community. This week, it is the hardening insurance market that we will focus on with a discussion between Mark Dawson, chair of Airmix Insurance Steering Group, Scott Feltham, group insurance manager at Compass Group, and myself. But first, I'm delighted to say that I am joined in the Airmix studio by John Ludlow, CEO. John, welcome to the first episode of Airmix Talks. Thank you very much. When I joined Airmic uh, in January 2019, I was really shocked and, and very impressed by the sheer volume of educational content and events that Airmic produces, whether it be through the Academy series that Elle and Patrick oversee, the technical papers that I have been overseeing, or the growing group of uh, communities and special interest groups. Why did you want us to add a podcast to this uh, this huge portfolio in our distribution channel in, in 2020? Firstly, may I say uh, just how excited I am about this addition to Airmic's portfolio of, uh, of media. Um, it all comes down, really, to the way professionals use their time. You know, we are so time poor these days uh, that we have to be very, very efficient and that's changed the way that we all consume content. Mm. You know, we don't, uh, we don't sit down in front of the news and read or read the whole newspaper back to back anymore. We just don't have the time for doing that. Um, but also, we know now so much more about how people learn. We have different learning styles. Um, so it's only appropriate that we don't carry on trying to teach people and uh, educate people in the same way that we used to. Uh, and I think podcasts are a great way of, of giving people a snippet, the essence of a subject, uh, and they can do that at their convenience on the go. And I think that's incredibly valuable for the membership. But it's also part of a more sophisticated communication plan, whereby we're trying to make Airmix themes more coherent, so that you might hear something on a podcast first, that might lead you into... Uh, an Airmic news article, it might then lead you into a technical paper that you might read, and maybe a workshop later on. So the whole of Airmic will hopefully be a little more joined up. Uh, absolutely, I think one of the I'm, I'm also uh, taking over Airmic news uh, this year as well. And uh, one of the things that I'm keen to do is make sure that one of our episodes of the podcast each month matches up to the general theme of Airmic news. Uh, that month so for example in February the Airmic News theme is supply chain and our next podcast episode two of the Airmic Talks podcast will be on the supply chain theme. Um, What I see as the real benefit of Airmic Talks is actually showcasing all the work that we do so we'll be hearing from our members so we've got as I said Mark and Scott on this episode spotlighting the different communities that we run whether that be the special interest groups around topics such as uh, enterprise risk management, captives, company secretaries or the sectors specific communities we have such as construction financial institutions and power and in this first episode where we are addressing the hard market it's an opportunity for our members to hear from two very senior insurance managers on their observations of the environment we 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 find ourselves in and isn't that so valuable i mean to get two senior insurance managers really explaining the problems they're facing um, it's great for other insurance managers by the way because they they, they might be more alert to the issues and maybe potentially some of the solutions out there. 
but it's also really important for uh, the risk managers to hear what's happening in the insurance market and what's happening in, in that uh, part of the world. And it's very important maybe for other members of, of the AMIC community, so C-suite, the risk owners, so that they understand that uh, insurance isn't just the answer. You know, if the hard market continues, then it may be worth investing more in the mitigation actions, you know, and that's a, a little red flag, by the way, to the insurers. To the board directors, they might listen to a podcast, but they wouldn't come to a, a workshop or something like that. So so it's a great way of de-siloing and sharing information and getting everybody to understand the issues, the common issues that we all face. So we are now going to hear from Mark Dawson and Scott Feltham on their experiences, observations and uh, practicalities in dealing with the hardening market. Scott joined Compass Group PLC as Group Insurance Manager in April 2019, having previously been at Amy for 10 years. Mark is an experienced insurance manager and was Group Head of Insurance at Thomas Cook from June 2013. He is also Chair of the Airmic Insurance Steering Group and he began by sharing some of the observations he has heard from our members on this hardening market. Uh, Well, firstly, uh, Richard, the hard market has been on the agenda of all our insurance steering group meetings this this year. It's been our number one uh, topic. Uh, It's fair to say that most of the AMIC members have been affected by the hardening market and and some uh, significantly uh, affected. I think the the rate of hardening um, depends on a number of factors uh, that we've seen. Uh, so industry sector, we've seen some industry sectors um, hit by uh, you know, rate increases, coverage changes uh, more significantly than, than others. So a good example of that is sort of construction engineering sectors, mining, you know, life sciences, you know, to name a few, particularly in the areas of uh, professional indemnity, uh, you know, D&O, um, you know, liability risks. Secondly, the risk profile and exposures of a company. Uh, so in particular, PDBI uh, with, with NatCat exposed risks have been pretty, uh, particularly prevalent to uh, seeing significant uh, increases. DNO exposures, so risks um, in the US, uh, Australia, uh, there's been uh, a significant you know, rise of, of group class action litigation, uh, particularly security uh, claims, and uh, you know, that has led to some very significant increases. And I think, and thirdly, our, our members have seen increases where they've had some form of um, you know, uh, claims or loss activity um, on, on their accounts. Um, Scott, due to due to moving companies this year, you've you've had the fortune of going through two renewals, I believe, in in 2019. So, what what kind of notice, what kind of changes in the market have you noticed uh, over 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 the year? Yeah, so as you say there, Richard, the fortune of having gone through two renewals in one year, uh, which I guess is a fairly fairly unique position in which to be. You know, as I say, two renewals, two different organisations. So quite an interesting one. I mean, I think uh, the, the markets first started to creep up. I say creep up. Um, actually, it came about sort of quite rapidly in my experience. I think first first, first, no, first noticed it back in 2018 um, when I was with Amy UK PLC. Um, Amy's risk profile does differ quite considerably to Compass Group PLC where I am now. Um, I think as Mark alluded to earlier on, you've got certain types of exposures with Amy, Amy UK PLC, uh, more sort of professional indemnity orientated. 
um, which I think my first experience of the hardening market came about in, in the context of professional indemnity insurance. Um, it was a real challenge back in 2018. Uh, sort of navigating that market, understanding where there was real appetite in the market back at that time in 2018 was a real challenge. And again, it seems to sort of creep up quite quickly. I think there was, a, if I'm brutally honest, a distinct lack of communication from the broken community at that point in time in terms of giving a bit of heads up, a little bit notice about what's going on um, and thus enabling me to manage the expectation of certain key stakeholders within Amy, within Amy UK, UK PLC at the time. Um, and again, it gave us little time in which to sort of properly prepare for, you know, for, for the hardening, really, and sort of getting terms at a certain stage prior to renewal, which were actually pretty adverse back in 2018, you know, being, being given time to then sort of convey those to various stakeholders within the organisation was a real, a real challenge. It didn't really give us enough time. Um, I think certainly between 2018 and 2019, the market seems to become harder, um, especially in the financial lines market. You know, we're talking DNO, as Mark alludes to, professional indemnity, um, I think crime potentially as well. That's been a challenge just recently. Um, I think other sections of the market sort of slightly slowly but caught up, you know, PDBI, for example. I think certainly in the manufacturing sector, um, especially with the NatCat sort of type exposure, that really has started to harden as well. So it's sort of crept up, but it's become slightly more rapid. I think it's you know, here to stay for a couple more years, maybe. So uh, thank you both for that. I mean, obviously, we, we've had hard markets before, uh, Mark, and you've, you've obviously been through a few hard markets in your, in your time. Um, does this one feel different at all uh, from, from previous cycles? Well, answer the first question, Richard. Yes, I have uh, experienced previous uh, hard markets, you know, the last one being in 2002-2003, which was tri- triggered by really the tragic events of, uh, of 9-11. Let's just remember in terms of you know, 9-11 uh, was actually one of the largest single uh, insured losses at that time uh, of about uh, $40 billion. Uh, you know, US dollars and affected several lines of insurance covering PDBI, you know, aviation, liability, uh, life assurance, personal accident. So it was quite broad. And, you know, it wasn't really just that one event. Whilst that was a trigger, I think we have to look in terms of what, what, other, what other symptoms were around at the time, uh, which uh, contributed you know, to, um, to, to that uh, hardening market. And I think you can draw some sort of similarities to uh, you know, the, the market that we're experiencing you know, today because back in 2002 there'd been an extended period of competition falling rates in the 1990s um, and you know, we've had really for the last decade prior to uh, the end of last year uh, you know, soft market conditions um, also back in you know, 2000, uh, you know, early 2000s there were some sort of large investment losses were sustained by, by insurers there were also the effects of you know, legacy um, you know, losses from you know, asbestos, you know, environmental and, and toxic uh, tort, tort claims uh, from policies which were underwritten prior to the 1990s. So those uh, you know, long-tail legacy claims were sort of you know, coming to, to the fore. And also a number of insurers were actually uh, in some financial difficulties uh, then and had uh, suffered you know, rating, uh, rating downgrades. So there are a number of, of factors uh, in addition to that one single um, yeah, event. And I think, as I say, uh, if we draw on sort of some of the similarities of, of today, large losses which have been sustained by uh, insurers uh, across the market, particularly you know, natural catastrophe losses, I mean, 225 billion you know, US dollars uh, of NatCat, of insured NatCat losses, in 2017, 2018, the worst 
two-year period on, on, on record. We've also seen, as, as Scott sort of indicated, you know, rising uh, DNO and, and crime uh, claims. DNO, as we mentioned before, partly due to um, a rise in class actions uh, and also significant you know, legal costs uh, now to defend these these uh, actions. And obviously, similar to 2002-03, this hard market you know, has followed that decade of, 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 of sort of soft market conditions, which was partly brought on or largely brought on by the fact that there's been a lot of new capital coming into uh, you know, the insurance market. There's been an abundance of, of, of capacity, and that capacity has been you know, relatively uh, inex- inexpensive. But meanwhile, claims have increased. There's been a squeeze on I- insurers' profitability. Uh, combined ratios have been increasing. Many insurers have seen combined ratios in the high 90s, some exceeding 100, which is really not sustainable uh, over uh, length of time. I think, though, that this hard market is potentially affecting more lines of coverage than the last uh, hard market. Um, it seems that most lines of coverage uh, are, are being uh, affected in, in some, some uh, uh, shape or form. And it's not just a question about pricing increases or pricing correction, as, as insurers would uh, you know, um, say. But um, you know, capacity sh- is shrinking, uh, you know, coverages are being reduced. Uh, you know, lower limits are being uh, uh, offered, uh, removal of uh, coverage extensions. Um, so there's a number of claims are being scrutinised. Um, and I think also it, it, it's, you know, we've got more regulation this time uh, than we did you know, back in uh, you know, 2002, and particularly with the introduction of the Insurance Act. Uh, I think it's going to be very, very important you know, for uh, our members to make sure that they are actually you know, providing you know, uh, full disclosure and uh, you know, um, fair presentation of, of, of risk you know, to the market. I think uh, it's interesting you mentioned the Insurance Act there, Mark, because I think this is where the insurance market should, um, sorry, the Insurance Act should come into its own uh, to a degree in terms of if people are following it properly, then it should you know, protect both the insured and the insurer if there's that transparency up front and and scott you mentioned uh, a moment ago about uh, kind of a little bit of a lack of transparency early on um in this market do you think that the the rate increases generally have been well communicated or pat or transparent in the last 12 months yeah i mean i, I think initially uh, there were some deficiencies with the amount of comms around the potential hardening or harshening of the market i think i think the comms has since improved um, it started very slowly, as I say. Buyers, generally speaking, were left to sort of discover the issues, um, which I thought was a bit of an issue back at the time. I think, generally speaking, speaking to peers uh, back at that time, I think we all felt we're in the same position there. It sort of crept up on us. There was little communication around it. Um, it gave you little time in which to then sort of convey some of the issues to sort of key stakeholders internally. So I think it sort of crept up on us a couple of years ago. Um, I think the broking and insurer community has since become more vocal about it, uh, more upfront in coming forward to manage the expectations of buyers. Um, some of this, I do suspect, came down to the fact buyers were moaning about it. I mean, I, I certainly had a fairly frank discussion with my broker back at that time. I said, look, you could have given me more of a heads up here. You know, why don't we start the process sort of two, three, four months back um, as opposed to now? Where's this come from? What's the cause of it? You know, um, is it the market seeking to rectify some of the issues in the past? Yeah, poor underwriting practices, for example. You know, I wasn't really in the know at that point in time. So the comps is certainly improved. It could have been better 
back last year, 2018. But it's certainly improved. And, um, that's that's the impression I'm getting. Kind of following up a little bit on, on, on that regarding kind of communication. And Scott, you said that you would have liked your broker to give you maybe a few months more notice uh, to start that process. But is, is that process, where's the onus? Where does responsibility lie for starting that renewal process earlier? Is it Should it be the broker coming to the insureds and saying, guys, we've got a problem here, not just on your account, but on all accounts to be good to get ahead of the game? Or should the insurance manager, particularly now we know, Clearly, we are in a hard market. Should they be taking the initiative to really get the ball moving earlier? I think so. I think it's a combination of both. And I think, you know, if, if you have an ongoing open dialogue with your broker, it ought to be a joint thing. You know, insofar as the broker ought to be the touch point of the market, um, they should be the eyes and ears in the market. You know, if they see the market taking a turn, that's the point at which they come to you as a buyer to say, look, guys, we ought to bring this forward. We're going to encounter an issue here. Um, but I think in any case, you know, I think it's incumbent on the, the insurance buyer whether it be the risk manager or the insurance manager, to bring forth the renewal discussions uh, to the extent where the discussion has almost become an ongoing thing. You get through run re- one renewal and they start over again. I think they have to in this day and age. You have to, you have to keep nimble, keep on your toes. You can't sit pretty because the market is moving at a certain pace here. You have to keep on top of it here. And that's something on which you rely on your brokers to keep you sort of in the loop there as regards what can happen. Um, I mean, I would sort of say eight to nine months in advance of any renewal. That's the point at which you should get the ball rolling at this time. I would agree. Um, and I think you know, also for um, you know, probably the more sophisticated uh, uh, you know, risk managers, you know, insurance buyers, um, they do tend to take the, the, the initiative. They do start you know, preparing you know, early. I think, as, as Scott said, it, it, it's a combination of both. But uh, uh, certainly you know, my advice to, to risk managers is do not just leave this all to your broker. Yeah. Uh, you have a significant role to play uh, and you need to play your full part in that uh, role. I think on that note as well, I mean, engaging directly with the market, you know, I think if, if, you, if you've not typically done that in the past, um, I think assert to your broker that you ought to be doing that. You know, engage directly with the market. Um, get a feel for which markets genuinely have appetite for certain key risks, which may be inherent within your organisation. Um, you know, get the market along to your locations. Get them to come along, get under the skin of certain risks. Give them a feel for the controls, measures that you have in place to manage these risks. Now, if you feel that you're a, a good risk and you should be perceived as such, make sure you open their eyes to that. Get them along early on. I mean, my understanding is, or my, my, my feel so far, is the market encourages that, embraces that sort of approach, so we should be doing that. So, so are we seeing uh, in this market an, an appreciation of, of well-risk-managed accounts? Yes, I mean, I think it, it, it's really incumbent on the, you know, the risk manager, the insurance buyer, to be able to demonstrate that differentiation. As Scott was saying, if you can accentuate... Uh, the positives around you know, how you, uh, you know, uh, control, mitigate risk, uh, you know, your investments in risk management, uh, you know, those are all, all, all good things. And uh, yes, I mean, you know, uh, insurers you know, will, will take note of that. Now, will that, um, you know, what will the result you know, be? You know, that's, that's always uh, you know, a hard one to, you know, to, to, to say. But you know, it could mean that rather than your premium going up by uh, a larger uh, amount, it goes up by a, a, a smaller amount. So think, yes, risk management definitely coming back uh, to, you know, to, to the fore now. You know, companies really need to be uh, looking at in terms of um, you know, their risk management budgets uh, and how they spend that uh, you know, wisely. Yeah, and I, th- I think in a way, potentially, that this could create an opportunity for risk managers, buyers of insurance to prove their worth. You know, I guess for years in a soft market, insurance gets renewed within budget. Fantastic. You're always there on the periphery. You know, the CEO might walk past, CFO might walk past and say hello. But actually, you need to be sat there with them in this day and age 
managing their expectation, if there's a need to retain a greater proportion of risk on the balance sheet, having those conversations with them, opening their eyes up to what the art of the possible might be, you know, making better, more inventive use of a captive. If it's been sat there for years doing the bare minimum in the soft market, well, now's the time to use it. Now's the time to be really inventive. And I think engaging with the board and proving your worth, you know, how you can make a real difference, how you can navigate this harsh market is, it could create an opportunity in that regard. Mark, what role do you see? Uh, what role do you see for captives in this in this harsh market for our for our AMIT members if they already have one or if they're maybe possibly considering one? No, I think this this is very um, uh, opportune time uh, to, to to really you know, look at uh, you know, your captive and how you're utilising it, as, as Scott uh, you know, alluded uh, to. So, really, should be starting to look at uh, you know, um, yeah, the risk appetite of the organisation, um, you know, uh, risk tolerance. Um, you know, can you actually put more into the captive? Uh, um, you know, can you put additional lines of coverage uh, in, in, into your captive than you may uh, currently uh, have? So definitely um, start looking at uh, your, your, your captives, uh, looking in terms of how you can make uh, you know, better, better use of those uh, uh, captives. And I think, uh, yes, definitely, I think we will see um, a bit of a renaissance of, uh, of, of, of captives uh, over the course of the uh, coming few years. I think just on those conversations around you know, risk appetite, risk tolerance, you, you, know, you might have been within an organisation for five or six years, let's say, for example, and never had that discussion with the board around risk appetite, risk tolerance. Whilst insurance has been sort of, I guess, broadly speaking, quite cheap, you know, soft market conditions, you might never have had that conversation. So to start from scratch, do an assessment and analysis of what's our appetite, what's our tolerance for risk, can take time. You know, leaving it sort of three, four, five months before probably isn't long enough. Now, again, you need to be going about sort of eight, nine months, if not longer, to really get the ball rolling in that regard. Well, on the 26th of February, AMIC and our Risk Management Association peers in Germany, GNVW, released the results of two surveys issued to our respective memberships. These surveys shed some further light on the attitudes among insurance buyers towards this current market. The full set of results are available on the AMIC website, but I sat down with Julia Graham, Deputy CEO and Technical Director of AMIC, to discuss her responses to the results. So, Julia, we now have the results back from a short survey we sent out to our members and our friends at GVNW in Germany sent out a similar survey to their members regarding the change in insurance market conditions. I think the ultimate headline to come from the responses is we have seen a fundamental shift in the insurance market environment and and widespread dissatisfaction with how insurers and brokers are handling uh, these changing conditions. So what have been the real standout results from your perspective? Well, Richard, um, the real standout result from me, I I can sum up very quickly, and that is a sense of frustration. Um, EMIC members have worked really hard to raise their professional profile in their organisations. And I think one of the fallouts from the current market is that that erodes some of that effort and potentially diminishes their profession and their professionalism in the eyes of their top management through absolutely no fault of their own. Um, They've had to convey messages to top management about higher rates, reduced capacity, increasing cover restrictions, um, served up with frequently poor and late communications from the market. Uh, And if I was sort of mixing that up in a glass, for me, that wouldn't make a very good cocktail. 
DNO was one of the lines that we picked out to give special attention to in this survey. 80% of AMIC respondents said they had experienced the price rises, uh, with 13% saying rates had more than doubled. Why did we pick out DNO for particular attention? Well, I think the first thing to say is that we were very targeted in who we actually surveyed as well. So we chose um, primarily members who, for example, are in the FTSE 100 and some other larger organisations because we were trying to get the feedback from where the biggest buyers were in the market. DNO was a line that was picked out because we'd already picked up some messages from our members that they were having some challenges with DNO, and we'd also had some very helpful presentations actually from the insurance market itself, both insurers and brokers, which were heralding that there might be problems heading our members' ways on this particular class of cover. So what we wanted to do was to check this out and see whether or not that heralding was justified and if so, what the, what the market looked like. So one of the other real uh, standouts was that poor or late communication from insurers was, was picked up by 42% of UK respondents and 62% of those in Germany saying they were only partially satisfied or not satisfied with the service from uh, their brokers and insurance partners. What, what improvements in behaviour and processes are, are we really looking for when we're talking about this problem? Well, I I think one of the things, Richard, it's a reinforcement of some of the things that we've talked about at AirMEC for a long time. Um, It's not a new story for AirMEC to talk about the value of partnership in the um, insurance sector. And we really believe that our insurers and our brokers and other support uh, services in in particularly the risk community are our partners And I think some of what we're seeing in the current market conditions are not necessarily what you would expect from people who are your partners. So uh, we talk about differentiating the value of good risk management. Uh, What we'd like to see from our partners is evidence that they're actually going to do that. Again, it's not um, a new message. It's one that we've said for many years. And I think in summary, what I'd like to see is our partners delivering this rather than talking about it. Well, Julia, I've got a feeling that the uh, harsh market and the changing insurance market uh, is going to be a running theme of our podcast uh, over the rest of this year. So I'm sure we'll be back to talk about it again. And thank you for coming on Airmic Talks. Thank you, Richard. That is all we have time for for the first episode of Airmic Talks. The next episode will be released on the 15th of March when we will be talking supply chain and risk management responses to the coronavirus. See you then.